2020 was one of the biggest years in the history of e-commerce. In fact, the pandemic spurred such a growth in e-commerce that the industry as a whole moved forward about 10 years in three months' time. Whether you're interested in starting your own store or learning how to develop for e-commerce, this week on the podcast, we're breaking it all down for you. Let's get started. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Sydney. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma. And we're debugging the tech industry. Something we often discuss on the podcast is productivity. One tool that helps thousands of web developers and designers do more every day is GoDaddy Pro. Combining site, client, and project management, GoDaddy Pro is an all-in-one solution made by and for web professionals. Whether you're new to web design or looking to grow your business, you'll find free tools, products, guidance, and support to help you deliver results for clients. At the heart of GoDaddy Pro is the hub. From one intuitive dashboard, the hub seamlessly brings your sites, clients, and projects together. Manage and monitor all your clients' WordPress sites from a single place, no matter where they're hosted. With a single click, perform bulk updates, backups, security checks, and more to save time and free up your day. On top of all that, you'll find a thriving community of web designers and developers who share advice, insights, and learning opportunities. GoDaddy Pro is free to join. Head over to go.me forward slash ladybug to get started. Again, that's go.me forward slash ladybug. What do cats drinking wine and a woman making wigs have in common? A lot, actually. They're both the result of someone starting their own business, doing things their own way, and pursuing their independence. Just like a million others who started this journey, these entrepreneurs found the support they needed from Shopify. Are you interested in supporting entrepreneurs? Do you want to solve highly technical problems that support treasured local shops? Are you interested in really powerful tooling to change the retail experience with your favorite big brands? Join Shopify. Now digital by default, you'll have the freedom to work from anywhere and the opportunity to build solutions to help Shopify's merchants and partners innovate through chaos and emerge stronger and more adaptable than ever before. Help Shopify make commerce better for everyone. Visit shopify.com careers to learn more. All right, so let's kick things off with talking about the different types of platforms that you can build and sell on. Instead of me just going through the list, I want you two to start naming them. What, what ones are you aware of? Not looking at the outline that Do we already created. you want me to go alphabetically? Well, there's this one that this girl, <laughs> Kelly, that I know talks about a lot called Shopify. You mean Spotify? Spotify? Shopify? We strong start. All right. Yes, Shapoop uh, is the platform I build on. <laughs> okay. Um, for realsies, uh, Shopify is an e-commerce platform that you're going to hear a lot about, likely because um, Calipi. <laughs> Calipi. <laughs> Kelly, tell us more about your really quickly. You are a partner. So I am a Shopify Plus partner. Um, I have been building on the Shopify platform since 2014. um, And I run a uh, Shopify development agency called The Taproom. And we build cool things for Shopify merchants. They don't sell beer, which I thought they did. And I was excited about it when I first heard that. You know, we I I think I've mentioned this multiple times at this point, but we've gotten applications that have come in saying like, I've been to your Seattle location. And I'm like, oh, I have a Seattle location. That's cool. I want to go. <laughs> five out of five stars on TripAdvisor. Um, 
But for reals, um, I have a few e-commerce platforms that I absolutely love. Um, I use Squarespace for my personal site. We also use it for our Ladybug website. I don't do e-commerce with them. However, they do integrate with e-commerce plugins. I don't know specifically which ones. It might be Stripe. Yeah, it's usually right? Stripe. Also, you know? they have like a whole e-commerce like version that you can you can choose to pay for. Okay, yeah, because so Stripe is widely used. They use it for Medium, the blogging site. However, it does have implications for international creators. Just be aware of that if you are not from the United States or not. Um, if, yeah, if you're not from the United States, if you're from outside like I am in Sweden, um, Stripe does have uh, different locations that they partner with. Um, so it might not be geographically available. Uh, what I love to use are two different sites. One is Podia and one is Payhip. And I always get them confused. I use Payhip to sell my blogging book. So I use it to sell digital content, specifically like PDFs, um, Kindle downloads, things of that nature. And I absolutely love it. You get an analytics dashboard. You get all the, the features of like a really robust e-commerce site. And it's decently affordable as a creator. Podia is fantastic. Uh, both of these apps have great UIs, which is a qualification that I have as an engineer. Um, Podia is a little bit more expensive, but they allow you to sell online courses as well. So I really like that's really robust if you are a digital content Sith Lord. <laughs> What's a Sith Lord? Like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're going to trigger all the Star Wars fanatics. <laughs> I've never seen any of them. Oh, we need to hop on that. Should we live stream Allie watches Star Wars for the first time? Maybe. Should maybe. we start her at like three instead of like yeah, the, the beginning probably. of four and just like completely ruin the experience for her? Absolutely. But like we we normally ask to define technical terms, but I'm like, what is a Sith Lord? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but those are my favorites. I actually I have tried Wix in the past. I still really like them. I think Wix is a great site for beginners. Um, that is my extensive knowledge of e-commerce, which you know what, to be fair. It's quite a few platforms. It is. Allie, what do you, what else? Oh, um, Etsy and Amazon. Those are two that exist. They do exist. I, I maybe work for <laughs> one of them. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. So the other uh, big names in e-commerce that you might come across at some point are uh, Magento, BigCommerce, and WooCommerce. There's also Volusion. Uh, Volusion filed for bankruptcy Chapter 11 uh, last year, I believe, but they're still around. Um, and there are a bunch of global ones as well that are more popular in other countries, like uh, PrestaShop, uh, Zyro, I believe it's called, and Miva. Um, PrestaShop, I've definitely come across. The other the other two, I have not. And then there are also like subscription-based e-commerce platforms. Oh, there's also Big Cartel. Um, I know too many e-commerce platforms. Like, there's no reason to know this many, but usually... If I'm, oh, I mean, you can also talk uh, Salesforce, Commerce Cloud, or uh, Workspace. Well, I, all I learned from this is that if we're ever at Trivia Night and one of the categories is e-commerce platforms, I want Kelly to be on my team. Okay. Yeah. Good. I'll finally be useful at Trivia for something. Yeah, for sure. Um, but in any case, Kelly, I, my question to you that I totally just thought of out of the blue is why would we choose e-commerce over brick and mortar stores? So that's the thing. Um, you don't necessarily have to choose one over the other. You can do both. Um, obviously, when you have a brick and mortar location, you're more focused on a local audience. Um, you get a little bit more face to face if it's a little bit more experiential in whatever you're selling. 
Um, brick and mortar definitely lends to that. Um, but e-commerce kind of expands who your customer base can be. You're reaching a huge audience, whether you're even just selling nationally, selling in a few states, selling internationally. There's really no limit to who you could be reaching with your business. So I like to think of them as two unique like storefronts and they both have their place. And, you know, I, I can kind of go into like you can you can sell it. You can sell on Shopify, but you can also cross your your postings. Oh, we didn't even, even talk about eBay eBay actually counts as an e-commerce platform as well, because I think like 80% now of the listings that are made on on eBay are are buy it now as opposed to auctions. Ah. Wow. Fascinating, right? I just learned that used, this week. I've never used eBay, but um, my parents used to sell stuff on there like way back in the day. I used to sell digital currency through eBay, which you're not supposed what? to do. Yeah. So uh, like, there's this website called Haba Hotel. It's an online five-star hotel for teens. Where else? Um, (laughs) From like 20 or from like 2005 until like 2010, I guess I was like doing things on that site. Um, But, you know, you can buy virtual items with virtual currency, which you can actually pay real money for to get the virtual currency, of course. Um, And they had these things called gold bars, which are basically 50 coins that you can use to buy things. And you can't sell digital currency through eBay. So I sold Pokemon cards and I just happened to also give you a gold bar on Habo Hotel as well. (laughs) I, this was like my freshman year of college. And I think I ended up making like $4,000. Dude, you're like the Walter White of the digital world. Like, I feel like you were the one hustling people in Neopets. I, maybe, yes. I had it. Oh my goodness. I don't want to get myself legally in trouble, but I have all kinds of stories we can share offline. I wish, (laughs) I wish I knew teenage Kelly, but in any case, um, I do believe in today's day and age, while I was going to say when, but I just combined them into two words. Um, while we are in this weird state having repercussions of a global pandemic, uh, it's nearly impossible to have solely a brick and mortar business nowadays. Like you have to have an online presence. Um, I, I'm curious if this shift would have come one day or another, had we not gone through this when we did, um, However, oh, absolutely. There's been a there's yeah, been an think? ongoing shift. The pandemic just like really pushed things along. It, so it, it's a double edged sword because I feel like on one end, the benefits that you mentioned having an international global consumer base is really uh, a wonderful thing. But for many brick and mortar stores that have been around for decades and generations, maybe they're not as technically savvy as the TikTok age. You know what I mean? And, and so that was probably a really steep learning curve for them. Like, where do you start? How do you make a website? How do you sell things? Like, how do you deal with um, tax implications of now broadening your consumer base? Uh, these are all great things or difficult things, depending upon who your person that you're working with is. Without a doubt. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's that's why I love Shopify so much. And I swear this is not just going to be an advertisement for Shopify, but I love the platform. Um, and they, they make it very accessible for people to who are not generally technically savvy to actually get up and running on Shopify with you know minimal assistance. And of course, Shopify support will also help you and all of their guides that they have and all the amazing partners that are around the world. Join the Shopify partner program. So there are two pieces that I, that I wanted to cover in this. Um, the first part is starting your own store. 
And then the second part is actually building for e-commerce, since this is obviously a developer-focused podcast. So let's start with starting your own store. Um, I have I, I ran a, a merch store for a while. Um, and so I know I got a lot of questions on how to actually start your store. And I said I'd write a blog post, but it turns out I hate writing blog posts. So <laughs> I didn't do it. Um, so let's kind of like walk through the steps of starting your own store. And I'm going to be talking a lot of, about a lot of steps related to Shopify here just because that's what I build on. Um, it's generally going to be the same from platform to platform. It's just how you go about doing it. It's going to be slightly different. So I think the first step here is figure out what you want to sell. Um, I see a lot of merchants start selling something because they experience some kind of problem and they're working to solve that problem. Um, a lot of business started like that way. Um, like, like bite toothpaste, for example, bringing tubes of toothpaste is kind of a pain when you're traveling, for example. And so having like little bits of toothpaste where you literally just like bite down and that's going to be the toothpaste that you need, um, makes it really easy to travel. That's so cool. Did you also see they now have toothbrushes with like a toothpaste compartment underneath it that you can like squeeze up into the toothbrush or something? I saw it on TikTok because I'm a TikTok queen now. Um, <laughs> and that's what the kids are using nowadays. How do you refill that? I don't know. Well, I think okay. like I, I think it's like a travel container. So like you just like. I don't know the right word, like like squeeze it in there <laughs> you know what i mean like you know with travel size like acrylic containers for stuff i think it was just that how do you clean it that's a whole other question i think you just throw it out but fair just buy a new one or something that's, um, a good po- that's a good point though is like like your company has to I, this is my opinion i feel like all successful companies solve a, a new problem or they solve it in a unique way because to be honest how many new problems are there coming out every single day. I'm not sure. I feel like a lot of problems have already been discovered. It's just about potentially creating a solution that differentiates itself or does it better. And yeah, I mean, that's one of the most important things here is that it's not about being first to market. There are always, there's always going to be competition. Um, It's, it's about differentiating yourself from your competitors to get people to actually buy from you. Um, So yeah. And, and other, other ways you might figure out what you want to sell. I mean, my merch store. I just decided to start it because it was fun. You know, why not? Um, maybe you're a maker. You make something like candles or uh, your art or something like that, and you want to sell it. Maybe it's like a little side hobby. It doesn't have to be like this grand business idea necessarily. Um, it, you know, you might not necessarily be aiming to build this multi-million dollar omni-channel business by any means, but Figuring out what to sell is kind of <laughs> the first step. I think what you just said was a really fascinating point that you kind of rushed over a little bit, which was you don't have to be first to market. And I I remember reading this in a book, and I believe it was the uh, originals, the originals by Adam Grant. I think it was that book um, where he discusses how some of these businesses came to be so successful. And it was the fact that they weren't first to market. They let other people rush into the market, make all these mistakes. And meanwhile, they're sitting there watching it and refining their own process. Um, now, that being said, also, like, to, to some extent, like, not every business has that same privilege because it's expensive to, to start a business. And it, a lot of people rely on their business as their primary income. So like if you are able to like take a step back and not rush into the market, I think that's a great point. Sorry, I just needed to make that 
Oh, for sure. Which is a great segue into the next step, which is determine who your target market is. Who is going to actually buy your products? And it's important to not just use your friends and family here as an example, because you might get opinions on your products on whether or not they would buy it. And your friends and family tend to not be very honest with you. They'll usually say, oh, this is such a great idea. Yeah, I'd love to buy this. And they have zero intention of ever buying it. So you need to do some like proper market research on who who is who is your target audience, not only where they're located, um, how they live their lives. What else are they buying that might be, you know, kind of a complimentary product? Um, what do they do for a living? Like create these user stories around who your customer base is before jumping into selling or else you might be kind of marketing to the absolute wrong people. It's also really freaking difficult to change human behavior i remember in the power of habit it's an awesome book and he discusses the creation of toothpaste as a product and how and and also febreze both of those products changed human behavior because um back in the day people didn't have any motivation to brush their teeth like there was i don't know if there was a lack of medical research as to why they should or what they actually it was the adding of the mint flavoring that they mar- they were able to change human behavior by marketing as like oh have fresh breath um so if you are going to create a product that is aimed its goal is to change human behavior in one way or the other you have to make it as simple as possible for people to change their their behavior and also give them motivation as to why they would yeah uh, so that's a really great point. Um, that book was called what? The Power of Habit. Okay. So what I want to talk about next is the different kinds of businesses that you can have. Um, you might have come across the the phrase drop shipping before or print on demand. Or, of course, there's creating your own products to sell. Um, pretty straightforward. You create your own products. You're, you're sourcing the materials. Or you're having a warehouse source the materials to create the product. And then either you ship it out yourself or you work with a, like some kind of third-party logistics warehouse to actually ship it out for you when the orders come in. Uh, that's going to be just a standard model that you see most businesses running. Drop shipping is where you never actually maintain any stock. You're sourcing the products from third parties wherever. It could be from, you know, you hear like Alibaba a lot or like um, AliExpress or uh, just other makers. Like I've seen people drop ship from people on Etsy even just to, to bring awareness to those products. Uh, you also have things like uh, Goop, I think is another one that does it. There are a bunch of them. Um, basically, the, the the benefit here is never having to maintain stock. You never have to be the one to actually ship the products yourself. Um whether you have to deal with the returns depends on what the what the policy is. Um, and you also have lower margins on these items because you're buying the items from somebody else to resell. So that is really important to remember when it comes to dropshipping. Um, lower margins is definitely part of this. It means you're going to be making less money per order. The other thing to remember is where these items are originally coming from. A lot of these dropshipping businesses that you're buying items from, that you're sourcing from, are based on China. And so it could be up to six weeks to, re- to receive a product. Um, and, you know, people are generally impatient. They don't want to wait that long to receive an item. So if you are going this route, just be hyper specific and clear on your website about how long things will take to ship. Otherwise, you're going to get a lot of customer support requests being like, hey, where's my package? Yeah, I'm doing that right now. Like, 
I'm not going to sit here and wait for a two second page web page. So you think I'm going to wait six weeks for a product I can walk down the street <laughs> and buy? Like, unless it's an exceptional product. And like, if it's supporting a small business and like, like small creators, I'm happy to do it. But not if it's coming from AliExpress. I've been waiting eight weeks now for my Peloton to arrive. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a lot. I Yep. I've got uh, 15 days to go. So oh my almost gosh. there. <laughs> that must be heavy to ship, though, for what it's worth. It's it's just it's the a number of people who are buying them. It's just the demand that caused it to take mm. so long, um, because it's actually it's local. It's delivered locally, so they have a driver come, like a Peloton driver, come and drop it off, and and he rides the it. bike over. Actually, <laughs> yeah, he rides the bike, takes the wheels off, and then <laughs> sets it on a stand. Here you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Um, okay, so that's some uh, some important information about dropshipping. Uh, dropshipping is one of the easiest ways to get into e-commerce, though, again, because you don't have to be doing the, the heavy lifting on the actual product building side. Uh, the other type that I ran was print on demand, which is, again, you're not sourcing the products. You're coming up with the designs for the products, though, and then you're having a third party actually print and ship those designs for you. Again, you do have lower margins with this, but you have more creative freedom over what it is that you're selling because you're the ones who are actually, you're the one who's actually designing those products. So that was the whole inspiration behind my my merch stores that I didn't want to deal with actually printing and shipping things. I just wanted to design and then carry on with my day. Nice. Yeah, that's what we did for the dev store and the ladybug store when we had that as well. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, any questions about either any of these three before we move on? So we didn't name a couple of the print-on-demand services? Ah, yes. Um, Printful is the one that I would use as the primary one. Printify is another really great one. Um, they all have different types of products at different price points, where they're being, where they're shipping from. So definitely do your research. Um, a lot of these allow you to request samples, um, potentially for like a, a nominal cost. So you can actually see the product before you start selling it, which is kind of an important thing to measure quality. And you also get the added benefit of being able to take your own product photos, which is a whole nother topic that we'll be getting into so, soon. I've used both of those as well and have had good experiences. Yeah. Uh, the third one that I use is T-Launch, um, which is a Shopify specific one, I believe. Um, but that's where like I got my coasters from for in the, in the, the um, mouse pads. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay. So this next step here, and this is, this is one that I really, really, really want to stress a little bit more detail here, is selecting a theme. And I say select a theme because I know we're all developers. We don't need to custom build our store in order to be successful. And this is something I see from merchants all the time. They're like, well, I have really complex needs. So I, you know, I want to install these four apps. So I think a custom build is going to be the best to go. Also, I want to differentiate myself from, from everyone else. I'm telling you, a vast, vast, vast majority of merchants do not need to have a custom designed, custom built website. Shopify themes are really great because they provide a really great starting point of, of, of kind of like a launching point from you or from where you're what you can build from there, you have full access to all the theme files to customize it however you want. But why completely build something from scratch when you don't need to? It's going to save you money yeah. and it's going to save you time. And these themes are already supported. So let's also talk about the power of design, because if you change the color palette and the typography, guess what? It's going to look and feel a lot different than that quote unquote non-custom template that you thought that 
Right. Look, so very quickly, color makes a huge difference in the ethos or the pathos of your website, meaning the trust that you build with your consumers. If you are creating um, an eco-friendly clothing store, you're probably going to want to go with more of a green palette because green instills like, uh, you know, like nature and or organic content and things of that nature. You wouldn't want to choose red if that is your target market. Um, likewise, if you're building something to do with like social media, you might want to go with a blue because blue instills trust. Um, learn about color, different kinds of like emotions that are elicited from color palettes. It's I swear it, it can make a huge difference to like how people engage with your content. Also typography. Like if you are building something that's very esteemed and like eloquent, maybe go for like a, uh, like a, uh, like a Times New Roman, what are those? It's serif fonts. Um, the, like the lettering looks a lot more um, put together, more eloquent, um, more formal. Um, if you are doing something more modern, you want to appeal to a younger audience, go with something sans serif. Um, so it doesn't have the little like ligatures on the ends of your letters. We did an entire design episode with Steve Sugar. Uh, so I highly recommend you listen to that if you want to learn the basics of design and how it can impact your product. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have to be Times New Roman or Ariel. It, you can go to Etsy or Creative Marketplace or other online stores and buy digital files for custom fonts that you can use on your your websites. Uh, highly recommend. Like Kelly said, you don't need fully custom. You can do little things to improve the originality of your site. And one of the most powerful things you can do to differentiate yourself from others is the quality of your imagery, of your photography. Um, investing in high quality photos of your products and lifestyle shots is really going to make you stand out from the crowd. As long as they're your own photos, and I'm about to actually, let's start, go ahead and start talking about this now. At this point, you need to start creating your products. Um, if you're using uh, dropshipping or print-on-demand kind of services, they sync into Shopify, for example. Um, so you just need to write, like, after you upload the design, if you're doing print-on-demand, uh, you need to do the title and the description. Um, they provide images for you. Don't use them. Take your own. Because you can, if you do, like, a reverse Google image search for any of the images that are provided... You can see just how many stores are using the same images in the same default description that they provide for you. This is not going to help you at all with SEO, for one thing. And two, there's no character to your site. Your brand voice should be uniquely you on your site. Um, you can use some of the content, that, like the bullet points in terms of like how to care for a product or the, the dimensions of it or whatever. Um, but write your own product descriptions. Take your own product photos. I think this is something that's really, really important to stress. If you don't have the actual products themselves, like you haven't actually ordered all of them, there's a website called placeit.net that lets you upload your photo, your design that you created for like print on demand, for example. And they have all different kinds of stock imagery that you can use that kind of places your design on top of these stock photos. This is better than using the default photos that are provided from uh, from these drop shipping and print on demand tools. As a quick note, you don't need a really nice camera to take awesome photos. Uh, I ha I have an iPhone 10 and the camera on this is awesome. It like portrait mode. Every time I post a photo taken from my iPhone, people want to know what camera I'm using. I'm like, it's just my iPhone. Now I know it is a newer model. Um, but if you have a, a phone with a good camera, use that. Just make sure that your lighting is good and your framing is good. And I'm sure that there are videos on YouTube you can use to to figure out those settings. Yeah, lighting is everything. Yeah. I also want to shout out Shopify Compass. 
Um, if you create a Shopify store, you get access to Shopify Compass for free, which is this huge library of tutorials and courses that various Shopify partners or previous merchants or active merchants have made for you to access to learn how to do all these things, like how to run your Facebook ads, how to write your product descriptions, how to shoot good photos, like everything is there available for you. And it's a completely free resource if you're paying for a Shopify plan or if you're on a trial. So the next piece I would look at are apps. So on Shopify, um, what are considered like plugins on WordPress are apps on Shopify. They're just like extensions essentially to add on to your store, whether they're back office. So they're they're helping you run the comp- run the business in some form, uh, like managing your inventory or things like that. Or they're actual storefront based apps, which are like product reviews or um, connecting with the live chat service, for example. So there are three categories I usually like recommending to start things off. The first is product reviews. Go ahead and install this app now. Um, on Shopify, I like Judge.me. I like Junip. I like Okendo. There's also free apps like uh, Shopify product reviews to get you started. Um, product reviews are really, really helpful for a number of reasons. One, they build trust because people are reviewing the product. Two, you're getting feedback on the product. And three, they're great for SEO because it actually brings your reading over to Google when somebody finds that product on Google. So highly recommend installing a product reviews app. Next uh, is email marketing. Um, If you're not going to immediately start sending emails, that's fine. At least start collecting the email addresses or give people the option to opt in. Um, I'm a really, really big fan of Klaviyo. Um, It's spelled K-L-A-V-I-Y-O. You can also use Shopify emails. They have like a whole email marketing thing. You can install that app. There's OmniSend, all different kinds of email marketing. You can also use something like MailChimp. MailChimp does not have a direct integration with Shopify though. Um, So just a heads up there. Uh, And then the third piece I would look at is support. So uh, offering some kind of ability to chat live with your team or with you is really helpful and can make that make or break the purchasing decision if they have like a really quick question for you, like, hey, does this product contain this certain food because I'm allergic to it or something like that. Um, there are a bunch of free live chat apps in the app store that you can use, or you can use a more full customer service kind of platform like Gorgeous, that's G-O-R-G-I-A-S, uh, to, to act as your customer support network, which actually pulls in like comments from Facebook and DMs from Instagram and all kinds of fun stuff so you can actually maintain all of your customer support inquiries in one place. Next, uh, create your recommended informational pages. So there are three primary pages that I recommend. About Us, FAQs, and Contact Us. Your About Us page should answer three questions. Who are you? What do you sell? And why should I, the customer, buy from you? Be creative in your copy. People like to get to know you, the owner, and also you, the brand. What makes you special? What makes you different? Be like, Have some fun with this. I see so many people have the most boring About Us pages that is zero inspiration to actually get me to buy from you. An important note about your About Us page, make sure you have some kind of button or call to action on there to lead people to shop again. Don't let this page be a dead end. Second page, FAQs. This is a hill I will absolutely die on. Um, I talk about it a lot on the Commerce Tea podcast. You need an FAQs page. Everyone has questions. Everyone needs answers. 
the the basic questions you're always going to need. What is your shipping and returns policy? Um, what happens if my item arrives damaged? If you're selling any kind of food or anything that's anything that's ingestible or put on your skin, you need to include allergies. You need to include the like care guide, anything that people are going to have questions about. Include those answers. Um, use your customer service, like the questions that you receive from customers to kind of help guide these questions. But there are all kinds of guides on like, what are the absolute necessary FAQs that you should be answering? Um, when you write your uh, your FAQs page, make sure the questions are coming from the perspective of the customer. Like, what is your returns policy? I am I the customer. I'm asking you, the merchant, that question. Don't do what is our returns policy because that's not what the customer is asking. Make sure your answers are concise and don't write paragraphs to to respond. People do not have time or patience to read a long page of FAQs. Make it readable so people can easily browse to see which question they're going to have uh, answers to. I see a lot of people build uh, their FAQs page into like an accordion, so you can easily toggle the question to see the answer. Um, and the last thing I will touch on for FAQs is your last question should be, what if my question was not answered here? And direct them either to live chat or direct them to your form on the contact us page, which is the third page we're going to talk about. Uh, your about us page or your contact us page, another great opportunity to highlight your most frequently asked questions. People don't read. People do not read. Put the information in front of their face as many times as you can to cut back on customer support debt. You wanna you wanna cut back on the number of questions you're receiving where the answer is very clearly written on your website. Have a form that makes it easy for people to reach out to you. If you have some kind of uh, direct email support or phone support, include this information here as well. If you have a brick and mortar location, make sure you include your address on there too. All kinds of opportunities to, to get to your customers uh, and make it, make it as easy as possible for them to reach you, but also make it easy for them to get answers before actually emailing you. That's great advice. I'd also shout out uh, Jenna Kutcher, who... She's not my favorite. She's kind of like a girl boss influencer type <laughs> figure. Definitely not my favorite, but she has really, really great advice for creating a about or bio page. I think she has a podcast episode that I listened to that was really excellent. It talks just about sharing your story because stories get people really hooked in. That's what I used for my about page on my blog. Um, just telling my story and sharing a little bit about me behind the scenes. And I think that that really works in order to get people to believe in you and to build trust, which a lot of this is about. I was just going to say building trust is the fastest way to build trust. <laughs> um, deep. Now, I, I, what I meant to say, because it's 542 here uh, in Stockholm, what I meant to say was that uh, to Ali's point, like sharing and opening up about yourself builds trust with people in you you know, your consumer base, but also like in your network. Uh, personally, that is how I think I, I on it's one of the reasons I think I built a following on social media was because I share the shit I go through as a human. And I think if you can do that as a business owner, it makes people want to, it, 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 uh, what's the right term for that? Uh, like, um, you have loyalty, your consumer yeah. loyalty is much higher. Oh, for sure. I think that's one of our biggest pieces of advice for social media. And we've shared that in past episodes is sharing the real you and the things that are going on behind the scenes because that will make people relate to you and I think the same is true for your about page for sure so this next topic is a really fun one you need to update your legal policies 
yay, consult an attorney about this. Um, this includes your terms and conditions, your privacy policy, and your shipping and returns policies. Make sure these are crystal clear. Make sure you have them accessible. Make sure this information is available whenever somebody needs it. Shopify does provide you with templates that you can use to base these policies off of. Make sure you actually update the template because it has a lot of placeholder information in there. And I cannot explain how many websites I've visited that has still have that placeholder like bracket, bracket, business name in there instead of actually your company name. Uh, quick question. How do you feel about people that don't have massively large budgets to hire lawyers and going through doc like legal document websites? Um, I'm really, if you're running a business, I feel like it's really important to consult with an attorney, at, even, even like on a quick, hey, review this document for me, as opposed to like draft this entire policy for me. Mm. There are a lot of people you who offer this kind of like one-off service, as opposed to like going through the entire hiring a business attorney process. Mm. But it is still something like just to protect yourself, because especially when we're dealing with things like GDPR and CCPA mm. in, in terms of like, uh, keeping uh, customer information either confidential or having the ability to remove it, which by the way, Shopify already supports that out of the box. So they do have a customer deletion tool if you need it. But you want to make sure these policies are crystal clear. Mm. Okay, that's good advice. Because I always went through like the legal Zoom side of things. And like, I mean, yeah. That's totally fine. As long as somebody like somebody is who is an attorney reviews it. Yeah. You just want to make point. sure you're protected. Cool. Because you don't want to do something wrong here and then end up being sued. Yeah. Um, which, that would cost you a on, lot more. <laughs> yeah. While I'm on this topic, let's talk about accessibility when it comes to e-commerce. Because there are no guidelines specifically for e-commerce businesses when it comes to accessibility. Um Shopify themes that are available from the theme store are accessible. Shopify as a whole is accessible. Okay, some some themes are. Um, but as soon as you start making any changes to your website, as soon as you install any apps, it is entirely on you to make sure your store is accessible. I am not a fan of the apps like Accessibility that supposedly protect you from, from lawsuits. They don't work. I mean, I've I've heard from numerous merchants who had that app installed still still get sued. Um, so just, I mean, follow actual accessibility guidelines. And we do have a, a podcast episode covering accessibility that we will link to in the show notes as well. Same thing applies here. It does not matter if you're running an e-commerce business. It still needs to be fully accessible. Uh, a, like law firms are intentionally targeting uh, online stores because there's such a gray area here. So it's easy, quick wins for them. So do what you can up front to protect yourself and make your store fully accessible. Okay, um, now that we're past the legal stuff, let's talk about selecting your payment gateway. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because different payment methods are used and trusted globally. We're used to in the States just entering your credit card information in or using Google Pay or Apple Pay. Not everybody uses a credit card, for example, um, and debit cards can uh, be, be declined, for example, or um, maybe they just don't have that built-in trust on actually entering their credit card information for you or on your store. So they'd rather use some kind of payment gateway they, they uh, like respect, they trust, which would be like PayPal, for example, or Amazon Pay. So I often recommend get a credit card payment method in there. Um, Shopify Payments is actually built on, it's rebranded Stripe. 
So it's literally just using Stripe for your store. It's just called Shopify Payments. With that, you do get access to Apple Pay, Shop Pay, Google Pay, all the like one-click checkout kind of things, or and all, all the accelerated payment uh, payment gateway options. But I also recommend including a non-credit card-based payment gateway as well, uh, such as PayPal or Amazon Pay. I know people have a lot of opinions when it comes to PayPal. I also have a lot of opinions when it comes to PayPal. But the reality is merchants, or not merchants, customers trust it. And so it can make or break a a transaction if they don't want to enter their credit card information in on a site. Um, Amazon Pay is just another, well, it's Amazon. So people trust it because they already have all their credit cards stored on there, for example. And then you have all of the, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but there are also buy now, pay later options. So basically like splitting your payment into, you know, four parts, um, such as Affirm or Klarna or Afterpay or uh, Sezzle, just to name four of them. Payment gateways are fun. Just to name four of them. Any questions before I move on? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And as I've stated multiple times, uh, consult an accountant, consult an attorney, speak to the professionals here in terms of uh, making sure you're capturing taxes appropriately and all the legal stuff. I'm just excited about e-commerce, Kelly. <laughs> wow, you look you look like you are. You're just <laughs> deadpanning me. Okay. But Kelly, how do I develop for e-commerce? Before we move on to that, I have one more thing to point out. But wait, there's more. Running an online store is not build it and they will come. You need to market your products. Whether this is through social media, it's running Google ads, it's, I don't know, having a strong email marketing and SMS strategy. There's a book I highly recommend called Growth Hacker Marketing. It's tiny, under 100 pages, talks about how to market. If you don't have a marketing department, highly recommend. We'll link it in the show notes. I'd also quickly suggest having social media as a business, if you are a business, because that's where all the millennials hang out. All right, now let's get into developing for e-commerce. Um, this, I think running a, starting your own business takes a lot longer than learning how to build for e-commerce when you're already a developer. Um, so there are three primary areas that you can build for e-commerce. The first is setting up stores. So just helping a merchant get up and running on Shopify, installing apps, helping them choose a theme, making some you know minor customizations to the theme, setting up their fonts and colors, adding in the content, adding in the products. Um, this one leans a, list, uh, a little bit less developer heavy, but it's a really good way to you know, really familiarize yourself with the Shopify backend, Shopify admin, understanding how it works or whatever other e-commerce platform you're using. Like I said, I'm only thinking in terms of Shopify. Uh, the second is building and selling a theme. So these are the, you know, what's actually being sold in the Shopify theme store, for example, or from a third-party theme uh, creator. Uh, Out of the Sandbox is one of my absolute favorites from Shopify. They do have a couple things in the Shopify theme store, but my absolute favorites are actually sold off of Shopify. Um, So basically you design, you build a theme, you add features to it, you let the merchants actually pay for the theme and install it. And and of course, you're going to end up supporting it as well. Um, A lot of Shopify themes range from, you know, well, some are free, but you might sell a theme for like $180 a, 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 an installation per installation, or I've seen themes go as high as $450. My favorite theme on like ever from uh, is from Out of the Sandbox, it's Turbo, is I think like $350 per purchase. So you could make some good money from, from selling themes. Uh, and the third way, of, of course, Building on top of Shopify with, when it comes to themes, um, whether you're setting the, up the store or selling a theme, it gives you plenty of opportunity to use front-end languages 
which I'll get into mo uh, momentarily. Uh, the third way is to build and sell an app. So extend the basic functionality of Shopify or whatever e-commerce platform you're on. And whether it's back office or it's storefront based, um, and you can sell that app. A lot of these have a monthly fee uh, that may be usage-based. It may be based on uh, how much you're paying to Shopify, for example, which plan you're on. Uh, and you can determine what these pricing strategies are. I've been uh, watching a number of developers who use the pandemic to build their first app and sell it. And they've been really public about how much money they're making. And they've gone from launching an app in September to bringing in $5,000 a month from people just installing and using the app. So I'm a really big fan of uh, looking at the opportunity to build for e-commerce because there's just so many opportunities here. Uh, just on Shopify, there are over a million merchants. So you have a huge market of people who, are, who you could be marketing these services to. Uh, in terms of languages required, uh, we're looking for themes. It's going to be your basic front-end languages, HTML, CSS, JavaScript. Uh, having an understanding of how APIs work is really helpful. Uh, Shopify does have a number of APIs, like their storefront API that you might end up using, or any of their REST-based APIs, like the Cart.js uh, is used a lot for adding items to the cart via Ajax. Um, Shopify themes often use jQuery. So just a heads up, still a little living in the past <laughs> there. Um, would be nice to move beyond. What's that? jQuery's fun, though. I, I still like kind of miss jQuery. <laughs> I, honestly, that's why I, I don't totally hate it. Uh, it's just I always have to like, hey, heads up, you might be using jQuery. We end up having to use it all the time because that's just what themes are. A lot of Shopify themes are built on. Yeah, I miss that era of web development. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to miss it. You can join me. Um, <laughs> I could. And then... Liquid is the is a Ruby-based language that I think was built by Shopify, um, which is used for like pulling in actual content. Think like uh, any kind of templating language, essentially. And then if you're building, let's say Magento, for example, uh, it's powered by PHP, if you are into that kind of thing. Uh, or WooCommerce is also going to be PHP-based. Or BigCommerce is, is uh, typical uh, front-end languages um, with with Liquid or their own version of Liquid as well. Um, if you go headless, so separating the, the back end of your store and building a custom storefront for it, uh, this gives you a little bit more uh, freedom to, for what you use. A lot of JavaScript libraries and frameworks are going to be used here, uh, whether you prefer Vue.js or React. These are usually the two that we see come up most frequently. You also are going to need an understanding of GraphQL and how uh, how that data is actually pulled in. Uh, the storefront API from Shopify is GraphQL, a GraphQL API. So learning GraphQL is really helpful here. Um, I personally prefer uh, howtographql.com as a, as a good resource to learn. And then when it comes to building Shopify apps, code in whatever language you want. That's the beauty of it. I mean, you can literally build an app however you want. Of course, just make sure you have that understanding of APIs. Um, we personally at the Taproom build our apps with Node, Express, GraphQL, and React. Um, it's, a, and then our themes are usually HTML, CSS, JavaScript. And then if we're getting into API work, we're usually using uh, Vue.js on Shopify themes as well. So that's our tech stack. Um, I just blew through all kinds of stuff when developing for e-commerce. What questions do you have? It was e-commerce on steroids. That's what we should title this episode. I don't have any questions. I feel like that's super duper comprehensive. Uh, it was a lot though. And I feel like it's, you know, people listening to this, 
it's going to take them maybe a little bit of time to digest, but there's so much valuable information in this episode that I didn't even realize, like the different types of dropshipping versus print on demand versus create your own products and like all these different things. I had no idea. Yeah, agreed. I'll go ahead and shout out, um, I guess a pre-shout out, shout out, that a lot of the front-end frameworks are doing really cool e-commerce starters, like Next.js has one, and I think it integrates with Shopify or whatever you want to use for e-commerce. And then my manager, Natter Dabit, he has an example of Jamstack e-commerce that's built with Gatsby, and I think that's really cool as well. So we can link those in the show notes. Awesome. And just to throw out some more... uh... Some more resources really quick here, and then we can wrap up and, and do shout outs. Um, Shopify.dev is a really great resource for learning how to build for Shopify. Uh, Shopify Partners is where you can become a Shopify partner, naturally. Uh, partners.shopify.com. And then we're also going to link in uh, Twitch stream in the show notes as well. I do a weekly Twitch stream every Wednesday at 2. It's called Kelly Plus Kelly with my counterpart, uh, Thomas Kelly, uh, who works <laughs> for Shopify. And we so are, <laughs> we're building a store called shoppypoints.com. So you can actually follow along as we build a full Shopify store. That's awesome. The end. Let's do shout outs. Okay. Mine is kind of a uh, cop out, but it's warmer weather. It's finally no longer in like the single digits in Chicago. And I feel like my mood is just 800 times better. It's so nice. And I can actually go outside and I love it. It's amazing. The coldest it's here. Okay, of course I'm in I'm in Georgia. Um, the coldest it is this week is like 60. It's gonna be in like the mid high seventies. It's negative two here and it's snowing. Oh no. No, thank you. No, No, it's okay. I like the snow. I'm not leaving my house, so yeah. Fair enough. Emma, what's your shout out? I want to shout out the two of you because when I was going through a shit time, not only did you send me flowers, but you got me a book club subscription to the English bookstore in Stockholm, which I'm loving. And I went and picked up my book yesterday and I got two that were on like the book club. Uh, I bought the other one because I like they both sound interesting. But I got uh, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed, which is one I've been wanting to read. Um, and it just it sounds really, really interesting. So I'm excited. So thank you. Yay. For sure. I read that last year. It's a, it's a good book. Yeah. Kelly, what's your shout out? Yeah, my shout out. I know we talked about Adam Grant earlier, but he recently came out with a new book called Think Again. And I am honestly on chapter two. So I'm not super deep into it yet. But the concept of it, I absolutely love. It's basically talking about how reframing your mind, rethinking, being open to other you know, the change, like using the changing of new information to actually reframe your thoughts is a skill that you can learn. And it helps to kind of keep an open mind and question your own opinions and biases and also kind of create an environment to allow others to take on those, those same behaviors. So I'm really excited about it. Think again by Adam Grant. All right. So that's it for this week. Thank you for listening to me speak for nearly an hour. Um, If you like this episode, uh, tweet about it. We'll be selecting one tweeter to win one of the books we mentioned this week since we named 900 books. Uh, We post new episodes every Monday, so make sure you're subscribed to be notified. Also, check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash ladybugpodcast. Please leave us a review. Reviews make us really happy, and we will see you next week.